Hey friends, welcome to the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and then put into practice. I'm your host, Gwen DeSelm, and I'm so glad that you've joined me today. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church. Currently, he is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a weekly blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. Do you have something that you're worried about? Some problem that maybe feels out of your control or too big for you to handle? What do you do when you feel fearful of how things are going to turn out or helpless to do anything about it? In today's message, Dave points us to God's Word for fresh perspective that results in help and hope against the worries of life. This past summer on my study break, I was recommended that I would read a book. It's not not a small book, is it? Books called Bonhoeffer, New York Times bestseller. Those of you who uh, have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this brilliant mind, pastor who lived in Nazi Germany, at the height of Hitler's power, and he determined that he would stand tall. The church was compromising all around. Pastors were preaching that Nazism was the answer instead of Christ. And Bonhoeffer and a few others courageously stood tall. And through those years, though they never saw the result of their prayer, they never saw the result of their efforts. Indeed, in 1945, he was hanged by the Nazis. But I saw that as just a picture of Christians who in dire situations determined that they would stand tall. And they would dare to believe that God was still on the throne. First century, 1945, 2012. And once more we're at that place where it would appear that evil is running rampant and that good will never win. And yet we pray that otherwise the truth will be found. Bonhoeffer, in his first sermon, preached from Psalm 121. I'd like you to open your Bibles to that this morning. That in the midst of a very difficult situation in his life, we can find difficult situations in our life being altered by virtue of something quite remarkable in words that are familiar to many of us, but I would have to suggest that many of us have never understood before. I'd always read Psalm 121 uh, with a certain mindset, but when we were over in Israel six years ago, we discovered that Psalm 121 meant something totally different from what I'd assumed. Let me read it to you, and then I'll share with you what we discovered, and see if it doesn't mark your life as it has mine. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. 
One of the things I so appreciate when it comes to the Hebrew that the Old Testament is written in, the Hebrew of the Old Testament, the Greek of the New Testament, is the earthiness of the language. These two original languages had so much greater depth of meaning than our poor English does. So when a first century or or when an ancient Israelite would read these words, this would mean something much deeper to him or her than it does to us. This speaks about the power of God in the midst of extraordinarily difficult circumstances. Verse 2, I lift my eyes to the hills. What's that mean? Well, it's a common expression to the Hebrew mind. To lift one's eyes means to notice something, becoming aware of the various possibilities that are before you. It means to have your attention grabbed. In short, it means that you notice something that could well mark your life. It was used of Abraham back in Genesis, where it says, Abraham lifted his eyes and God said to him, as far as you can see from the north to the south, from the east to the west, that is the land I will give you and your descendants. Lift your eyes, Abraham. Very positive, but it isn't always positive. A couple chapters later in that same book of Genesis, we read about how Abraham lifted his eyes to Mount Moriah, where he had been asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. Lift up your eyes, Abraham. Positive or negative, the point is your imagination has been activated. Lift your eyes. Now, I lift my eyes, where? To the hills. Now, most of us here in the flatlands of northern Indiana don't know much about hills. In fact, how many of you just love the beauty of hills? Do you just love the hills? Yeah. When we would drive down to Hilton Head on vacation to South Carolina, as we get through the flatlands down to southern Indiana, begin to start seeing a few rolling rolling hills. Then you hit Kentucky and Tennessee and especially North Carolina. And typically, one of us would turn to the other and say, look at the beauty of the hills. To see the Smoky Mountains, to see the, the Blue Ridge Highway, to see the beauty of the hills. And we would appreciate the hills. And I find myself saying at times, I I wish we could have more hills up here. Then Gwen would say, not in the wintertime. But by and large, hills are beautiful. Hills are to be celebrated, not to the ancient Israelite. For them, hills were lamented. Hills were ever and always bad news. Notice here under the title of Psalm 121, it says a psalm of ascent. That means that the Israelites would sing this psalm on the way of one of the pilgrimages to Jerusalem. Now, you who like to hike, how much do you like hills? Hills are always difficult. They always make the walking challenging. Hills represented hardship in those days. That's why Isaiah said, when the day of the Lord comes, every valley shall be raised up, every mountain made low, every hill made low, rugged places, a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Isaiah is saying, there will come a day when you no longer face the challenge of having to struggle through the hills. But to the ancient Israelite, hills were not only places of difficulty, they were places of great danger. Six years ago, when we were looking from old Jerusalem out into the hills around the city, our instructor who'd already give us great insight about the geography of the place. You see, Jerusalem was, is not a strategically located capital. Located between two valleys and a little rise, it is extraordinarily vulnerable to attack. This was God's intention. His people's survival would ever and always be because of his power 
not because of the strategic nature of their city. So it's surrounded by these hills. Hills were dangerous. Hills were places that wild animals could hang out. But hills were also places where enemy soldiers could sneak close and fire from. Hills were hated. So picture how this verse, these verses were read by the ancient Israelites. They did not read it like this. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where's my help come from? No, no, no. Rather more like this. I lift my eyes to the hills, to the danger, to the challenges, to the difficulties, to the problems. They're all around me. Where's my help going to come from? I got nothing. I am totally vulnerable. I'm utterly defenseless. I'm surrounded by these hills. What am I going to do? And then the psalmist continues on. My help comes from the Lord. In your Bibles, you might want to write this word in the margin. I lift my eyes to the hills. Write the word difficulties, problems. So you'll read it from now on, perhaps, whenever you turn to this psalm. I lift up my eyes and all around me are problems, financial problems, relational problems, interpersonal problems, problems with my job, problems with my kids, problems with my health. All around me, there are these hills. What am I going to do? Who am I going to turn to? It's all around me. How am I going to make it? And because we're surrounded by hills, we wrestle with worry, don't we? How many of you would say you're a world-class worrier? Yeah, yeah. A guy named Edward Hollowell did a study on worry. And he said worry is based upon two things. One, a heightened sense of vulnerability. When you see yourself in a vulnerable situation, it typically triggers worry. The second thing is a diminished sense of power. And I can't do anything about it. A heightened sense of vulnerability and a diminished sense of power. Hollowell says that whenever those two come to play, the typical response is to worry because you recognize just how helpless you really are. I lift my eyes to the hills. I'm so powerless. I'm so vulnerable. Challenging circumstances. What will I do? But then the psalmist continues, my help comes from the Lord. Now, that word help is a beautiful word in the Hebrew. It's used 200 times in the Bible, typically as it relates to what God does on behalf of his people. God is our help. And I don't know about you, but that's good news to me, because I need help. Don't you? I need help. I'm not in control of anything. And you know what? Neither are you. In fact, you could do a little exercise right now with the person next to you. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are not in control of anything. Go ahead, just tell them that. Just remind them of that. You are not in control of it. Stop and think about it. You aren't. Are you in control of your health? Some of you are eating really well. You're exercising multiple days a week. You're seeing the doctor twice a year. You're taking all the tests. I tell you what, your life, the, the, the clock's ticking, friend. You are not in control of your health. You think you can control your finances? Say, oh, I got my savings here, I got my IRAs there. Yeah, sure. 
Some of us know what that's like. This whole fiscal cliff that's facing us, we're not in control of anything. Finances, health. Are you in control of your marriage? Can you make your spouse change? You're hesitating a bit on that one, friends. Can, Can you make your spouse change? No, you can't. Now, God can change your spouse, and get this, God can change your spouse's spouse. You got to think about that one a little bit, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, if all you're going to trust is in yourself, you better worry. Because the vulnerability is real. The powerlessness is profound. And there are hills out there, friends. You're listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will return with the rest of his message in just a moment. Well, I hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, and you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Then help others to find us by leaving a review, giving us a five-star rating, and sharing this podcast with your friends and family. If you'd like to support us in this ministry, just go to davedesellministries.org and click on the Donate button. Dave Desell Ministries offers resources for everyday pastors so they can equip the everyday people they lead to become everyday disciples. And one of the ways we do that is through the Everyday Pastor blog. In each post, Dave offers practical insight and personal experience born of over 40 years of pastoral leadership. This weekly blog covers topics everyday pastors and leaders need to strengthen their skills sharpen their vision, and care for their souls. You can find the Everyday Pastor blog on our website, davedesellministries.org. And while you're there, click on the subscribe button and you can have each new post sent directly to your email inbox. Now here's Dave with the conclusion of his series, Pray First. And this brings us to one of the greatest words in the whole psalm, the word watch. That word is used in various forms six times in this. The Lord watches over you. He watches over Israel. He'll watch over your life. He'll watch over your coming. He'll watch over your going. God is the watcher. You are the watchee. And he watches over you. And I'm somebody who takes great comfort that in the midst of these hills, there is someone who watches over me. He's watching over your body. He's watching over your finances. He's watching over your kids. He's watching over your life. And when this grips you, when this really grips you, you don't have to be afraid of hills. That's not to say that you won't face difficulty. Dietrich Bonhoeffer stood tall for Christ. I I, I read this book, but I asked myself, are we raising up a generation of Bonhoeffers? Where are the next Bonhoeffers? Where are the next boys and girls? Where are the next young people who know what it means to be courageous? Who are so shot through with the reality of Christ and so committed to his kingdom that they're willing to stand down Nazi tyranny? Are we raising Bonhoeffers? Am I a Bonhoeffer? All around him, there were pastors who compromised and did what was safe, did that which was easy. Bonhoeffer recognized the truth of Psalm 121. He wrote these words, Peace is different from security. 
Peace is different from security. Time and time, God's people aren't saved from suffering. They receive peace in suffering. The Apostle Paul recognizes he was another jailbird. And in Philippians chapter 4, you see by way of the side screen, look how he wrote. In fact, let's read this out loud and together, shall we? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's go back one slide, the first part of that verse. Will you, fellas, upstairs? Notice the, right in the middle, in everything. Here's something that could transform your prayer life. See, many of us are committed to praying about the big things. Man, I'm going to pray for peace in Congo. I'm going to pray for our government. I'm going to pray for our city. And that's a good thing. But many of us, when it comes to the little things, think we're bothering God. So when we wake up in the middle of the night, often it's not the big things, it's the little things that keep us awake. Isn't that true? But we have this crazy thought that if I bring the little stuff to God, it really bother him. I mean, he's really busy. He's got a lot of requests, and surely he doesn't care about the meeting I have tomorrow, does he? About the appointment I have to make, about the person who I have to talk to, about the direction my son is taking, about the challenge my daughter is up, is up against in her school. Friends, I hope that we become in everything prayers. In everything. Listen, nothing is too big for God to handle, and nothing is too small for God to care about. Run that by you again. Nothing is too big for God to handle, and nothing is too small for God to care about. If something is big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. In everything, in everything, pray about everything. He watches over you. And if you do, something wonderful can begin to start happening in your soul. I love the way the message paraphrase renders verse 7 of that Philippians 4 text on the screen. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where's my help going to come from? I've got challenges with my kids. I've got difficulties with my family. Finances health. What am I going to do? I'm surrounded by enemies. I'm surrounded by difficulties. I lift up my eyes. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. There is one who is bigger than anything you're facing. He is on the throne and he is watching you. He is watching you. Bonhoeffer found his peace in his thirties. He was arrested for talking too much against Nazism. From an earthly point of view, his life was disappointing. He lost his church. He lost his extended family. He had just become engaged to the woman who he'd fallen in love with. He'd never been in love before. He spent the last two years of his life in prison. They never got married. He never had children. He was hung on a Nazi gallows the last words that he said as he was led out to the noose were recorded by a cellmate who survived the war. This is the end, but for me, 
is the beginning. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where's my help going to come from? My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. Let me ask you something. What hills are you facing today? In fact, would you do something, just a little exercise? No one's going to see this but you. Would you turn your note sheet over? And would you just write down several of the hills you're facing? What is it? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's a diagnosis. But right now, it threatens you. It's a worry. It's a hill. Just write it down. Write it down. Okay? Now, here's what we're going to do to close. We put the cross up intentionally. The one who walked up a hill so that you could conquer any hill that you would face. And if you would do something quite simply, would you just put that piece of paper in your hands and I want you to kind of lift it up so it, it could be the focus of your gaze, but I want you to point toward the cross. And I want you to consider this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. That which is before me seems so impossible, so threatening, so challenging. Problems, concerns, worries. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where's my help going to come from? Now lift your eyes a little higher to the cross. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. He watches over me. He watches over my coming and my going. The sun will not harm me by day nor the moon by night. Nothing will happen to me or those I love outside the filter of his permissive will. I will no longer let the hills that surround me be my focus. Oh, they're there. But I will choose to look to the one who is the maker of heaven and earth, bigger than those hills. And I will seek his face, and I will pour out my prayer to him. And I will trust that instead of worrying and by praying, the peace that passes all understanding will set my heart on Christ Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for proving to us that you're trustworthy. Thank you for climbing that hill called Calvary. Thank you for giving your life for us there, paying the penalty for our own brokenness, our own sin, taking our judgment, bringing us into God's family, giving us peace now and a promise for the future. I pray that as we look to you beyond the hills, we would be able to go on. I ask this in his name. Amen. 
Thank you so much for joining us for the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like to let Pastor Dave know how this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.